podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Welcome back to the Bosco's Boys podcast. Before we get into part one of our 2019-2020 basketball season review, um, I'm going to talk to you guys about our new sponsor, and I'm going to talk to you about it too, Matt. Um, Okay. LinkedIn. I'm sure you've all heard of it. Are Are you you serious? serious? LinkedIn is one of our newest sponsors. Um, Guys, the perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find the next person to help grow your business, LinkedIn Jobs will match you with the right talent for your open role, and they do it fast. LinkedIn has over 675 million members, and LinkedIn Jobs uh, screens candidates with hard and soft skills you're looking for so that you can hire the right person in a, in a fast manner. Uh, LinkedIn Jobs, make sure your job post let me, let me start that one over. LinkedIn Jobs will make sure your job post is seen by the people you want to hire with the skill you need. And guess what? LinkedIn is so good, there's a new person hired off of LinkedIn every eight seconds. Can you believe that? That is so no. – that's insane. So, guys, find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. Uh, you can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. So just visit LinkedIn.com slash capital team, T-E-A-M. Again, that's LinkedIn.com slash team for $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. So, hey, Matt, next time or when, you, when you're finally going to have to fire when Flando. DY leaves. When you have to fire Flando for yeah. something insane that he did, being too handsome or right. dressing too nice. Actually, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you'll, you'll be able to head over to LinkedIn and find – find your next hire so that's that's where i would do it i mean every time i come on here i I think like in three shows you'll be sponsored by like pepsi the white house (laughs) correct the white house perhaps i mean that seems like a big deal too right that that would be pretty wild Um, are you are you standing up right now i am i can tell it's because my mic port for my headset is messed up so i don't want it to be you know when i sit down it, it like gets all jostled up so I'm not touching it at all. I think standing is better, but I have to be on the mic, and my cord is short. So if I stood up, I couldn't do it. So I'll just sit here and talk the whole time. Well, guys, if you if you weren't sure by now, uh, we have Matt Hall with us today. I'm happy to have Matt Hall on today to be part one of our 2019-2020 basketball review. Um, how are you, Matt? It's interesting times. I mean, in all sincerity, it's done with sounds like pretty good, you know, at a time like this where – so many people are really affected by this. Uh, I mean, knock on you know wood, my family and I like kind of haven't been. You know what I mean? Like we're impacted like everybody else. We're not going anywhere. Our life has changed. But I just feel lucky. I know there's people who listen to your show. Well, and you know who one do real jobs like you do, or two have a job that maybe they can't go to right now. And I know that I'm not um, having to suffer through that. And I really appreciate it. And I feel for those. Who have not. So I'll be fun throughout this whole show. I'm not going to be sad throughout this whole show. That's not what this is for. Uh, but really, like, I feel like I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. I, I feel like your life, probably. Journalists, writers' lives, they don't change all that much. Because not, you're not able really. to work from home mostly. Obviously, you're limited in terms of 
covering K-State right now, and there's probably not a whole lot to cover anyways. But, yep. yeah, it's nice. You can just continue to hang out in your basement and bully Red and play video All games. All the time. It's, it's, it's not too terrible, but hopefully it doesn't get terrible. Well, yeah, I started to wonder, too, if I'm being too hard on Red. You know, we're only – I think for us, we, we started staying at home, like, kind of basically the day after the Big 12 tournament ended. And so, I don't know, we're on – 10 or 11 and i'm and i'm holding red to the same standard i would hold like natalie in a conversation so at some point i think i have to stop saying picking on everything he says that's like slightly wrong or else he's gonna hate me a lot when this is over yeah it's gonna be interesting i mean i don't know how manhattan's going to be um kansas city starting on tuesday or monday midnight basically is gonna essentially be everyone's gonna be ordered to stay home unless you have the essentials similar to like la is right now california so uh, last i knew we had a you know no gatherings of 10 or more um outside we went out yesterday saturday to go grocery shopping a little bit and we'd also been out maybe like tuesday or something like that and tuesday we thought to ourselves boy the town basically looks the same you know nothing's really different Yesterday, we drove across town. It was it was different. You know, it was significantly slower, and and not to get into that stuff, but it was it was good to see. I think. Yeah, because I mean, what uh, Manhattan just had their first confirmed case. So correct. Yeah, despite the guy, honest, quite honestly, who provided us Grant Flanders, um, Drew Smith, the one who got it, uh, suggested us Flando, and they're you know they know each other well and that kind of stuff, and uh, of course hoping the best for him. And yeah, it's just it's just crazy. It is freaking weird, but let's. Yeah. Um, we wish everybody well, obviously, and hang in there. Tempers are probably flaring at home. <laughs> People having to yeah. live together um, for much longer periods of time than they normally do. So, But, hey, I think good will come out of it in the end uh, once we get through the yeah. uh, the difficult times. But before we get into the actual season review, K-State just got a commitment. Um, Mr. Siri, Siri Lewis, pledged to join. What, what can you tell us about uh, Siri Lewis? Of course. Yeah, it all happened kind of quickly. K-State only offered him about a week before he committed. Um, he was somebody who had, and I don't know what terms to use anymore, but a lot of mid-major to like, you know, Big East type offers, you know, Georgetown, St. John's, that kind of stuff. Uh, he's listed at anywhere from 6'8 to 6'9, depending on where you look. People that we've talked to think he might be closer to 6'7, six, 6'7 seven, six, seven So he's not an incredibly undersized power forward, but he's probably not six foot nine. in watching film. He is a very good athlete. Uh, not only is, is he an explosive guy who gets up you know, pretty high and plays with his head around the rim, but he's a quick jumper too, which is nice to see. A guy whose second jump is pretty quick. He doesn't appear, uh, from what we've seen, to be any sort of stretch for or a guy with a lot of real shooting skills outside of you know, 10 to 12 feet. Um, but he's, he's, not, he's not one of these spring guys that nobody wanted, right? He's not somebody with zero stars. He's not somebody we had to go put into the admin after he signed. This is a guy who was getting recruited by major schools. K-State did want him. It wasn't an, oh, shucks, we have an open, let's take this guy. Uh, I think they're excited. I, he is, you know, from a recruiting perspective, a recruiting ranking perspective and how good I project him. Yeah, he, he is behind the other four freshmen, but I don't think this is a major reach. And I think there's some reason to think this is a guy that could have a future in the program. How hard is um, K-State, you know, still recruiting other members of the 2020 class? I think pretty hard. Um the two to really be watching are both, of course, Donovan Williams, who you know well about and everyone listening knows well about, and then Keon Ellis, a junior college player. And, you know, and I understand I just told you, hey, this spring signee's not a bad player and not that kind of guy. Now I'm going to tell you this Juco guy is not your traditional Juco guy. But I think that's true again. If you look at the schools after him, look at how people have reacted to him. This is a six foot six, you know, mature 
your wing, Keon Ellis, I mean, who shot, I think, 41% from three last year in junior college, 80% from the foul line, 53 from the floor, average 20 a game. Uh, he's somebody who people will believe outside of, you know, just the K-State family that he is a legitimate prospect. So, And that's not to take anything from Donovan Williams, a four-star kid out of Lincoln, but they're still recruiting pretty hard. I don't think they would take both, uh, even if both called him up and said we would you know, have to commit because that would mean needing two more open scholarships, and I just don't think that's going to happen. But I, I would guess they have a good um, – and I think those are the two names we're looking at most heavily. I thought I lost you for a second there. You froze in it. Oh, did I, did I go quiet? Things got a little scary, but that's okay. We're back. Um, did they hear me? Uh, yeah, I think so. We'll find uh, out when okay. it's all said. We'll, we'll find out. out. Uh, so recruiting um, scholarship spots are currently full. Is that correct? Right. So how exactly likely right. so, how likely is it that you think we'll have some openings going into next year per, for that 2020 I, I, class? I think, you know, I'm going to put a number on it, just sitting here and looking at you. I don't like the video because you're hard to look at. You're very attractive. I feel like I have to keep eye contact the entire time. You know, I think 70% chance another one opens up and that K-State takes another player. Uh, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Uh, the most likely one by far is Cartier John. And I see people kind of like starting to hunt and poke and say, what about Mike McGurl or Antonio Gordon? Hey, look, that stuff could happen, but uh, it would be surprising. This isn't, this isn't, uh, we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. We've been talking since before the year started that Cartier Jada may not come back. I still don't think it's set in stone, and I've said on our own site that kind of since the Texas Tech game, I've gone from, ah, that guy's not coming back, to, hey, I could see it, and I still could see it, but I think it's more likely than not he is gone. And one of those two, Donovan Williams or Kean Ellis, is probably here in his place. I kind of feel the same way, uh, especially percentage-wise. I feel like it's probably like 80-20. Yeah. I was probably too slow, yeah. Um, but, you know, that's something we've been talking about, like you said, pretty much all season, so it would not be a shock to anybody. Um, right. And maybe that's maybe that's something that both both sides need. I would be disappointed to see Cardi go, but I fully pretty much have accepted that that's probably going to happen. But I guess we will see. Um, let's jump into the season a bit. Um, we all know how this year kind of went, but it did end on two straight wins. Um, what, if anything, is the top reason that you can point your finger out as this season went, that that this season went the way that it did. Uh, it's a great question. I'm going to mumble through it for a little bit. It, the most simple answer is K-State's best players, you know, Xavier Sneed, Cartier Jada, McCall Wayne, did not make significant jumps. Now, if you go back and break down the numbers, really, those three players, we'll start with Cardi because I know I like Cardi. I know you like Cardi. He's a guy that if you actually look at the end of his season and break down the stats – I think he made relatively good improvement when you really look at it. Yes, he had a stretch when K-State was losing games and he was having these seven turnover games that really got into people's heads and thought, that's who he is all season. Not really. He shot it better from two. He shot it better overall. His assist-to-turnover ratio got better despite being higher usage. His three-point range shooting went way down. But he, even with him being better, he did not become what I thought You know, he could be, this 15-, 16-point-a-game, relatively efficient, second-team all-big 12 type. So that didn't happen. Xavier Sneed, to be quite honest, had a pretty rough year. He played his ass off. He played elite defense all year. He did some good things. He played well late. But look at his shooting numbers and scoring numbers, and they were incredibly inefficient. McCall Mawin, who I think, again, had some stretches where he played better than people are going to give him credit for because of how the year went and ultimately what happened. He didn't improve, too. So you had three guys that I honestly hoped, thought, whatever it is, could improve their level of play you know, by 5%, 10 15% by going into big, bigger roles, and that didn't happen. 
Now, when Bruce Weber says that, and I know you're not one of these guys necessarily, that's throwing players under the bus. That's not what I'm doing. It is the job of Bruce Weber, Chris Lowry, uh, Jermaine Anderson, and Brad Korn to get that team better and to play well. Any problems or results ultimately are those guys' responsibility. But if we're talking as as reasonable people about why the season didn't go as well, it's because K-State had three returning starters off, you know, back-to-back teams that went to the Elite Eight, won the Big 12, and the three of them did not get better as a group with bigger roles, and it's really that simple. Couldn't agree more with that. At one point in the season, did you believe it would not be that season that you hoped for? Was there a specific game where you saw this team just wasn't going to cut it? I, that's, that's a, a fun, fun question, question for me, too, because you know me. I mean, we are pretty good friends. I'm an eternal optimist, and I'm going to hang on forever. Uh, I had some concerns in non-conference. Two games come to mind for me. I, I thought leaving the St. Louis game in Kansas City, I thought, boy, they needed to get some of these here or there, and that one didn't happen. And then the TCU game in Manhattan, because I went to Norman and watched them pretty much handle Oklahoma for 36 minutes, then lose. And then I thought, well, if they come back to if they come back home and beat TCU and they're one and one in the Big Twelve, ah, it doesn't matter. But then you lose on a tip, and you're zero and two in the Big Twelve when uh, everybody could say ifs and buts, candy and nuts. But you really could have been two and zero. I thought, all right, now they're zero and two. They haven't had any breaks go their way. And I'm not saying they got unlucky. That's not my point. I'm saying they're not very good right now, and nothing's going their way. So this is going to be a bad season. I remember me and Flando and, and D.Y. in our little place in Austin. I think maybe that was the next game. And I told those guys I thought K-State was going 4-14, and and they thought I was crazy. Like, I'm not throwing them under the bus because they're smarter than me, and they do great predictions better than me. But And they didn't even get to 4. Um, so that, that was crazy to me that I even overstated it. But those that's the point. I guess that St. Louis, Oklahoma, TCU stretch, I thought, boy, they could have slash should have won all three of those. They lost all three. This is going to be a bad year. Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. St. Louis was a tough one to swallow. Uh, yeah. Marquette was pretty bad. I felt like, I mean, I was there in person for that game, and it just kind of felt like yeah, this team absolutely has no uh, chemistry. It just felt right. like there was no identity offensively. And scoring was just so, so hard to come by. So um, I think that was pretty fair. And and especially, you know, that TCU loss by that time, it's like we don't have any real good losses. Right. We have, like, how many? Seven? I mean, we were in trouble by that point. It was just like we are not going to get over the hump. It's not going to turn around at at any point. So I completely agree with you. I mean, it it was, but then the season got cut off. That's a good point. We (laughs) We were so close to running nine in a row. And in my mind, we we did. I mean, look at K-State's last four. Let's talk about how great this resume would have been. When they switched to the Xavier State at the four lineup against Kansas, they went two and two in those last four games. They lost to number one KU by what? I don't know what the final score was, by five or something like that. And then they went lost on the road, but the game that they led with five minutes or left, you know, or in somewhat control of, or at least played even for 37, 38 minutes. Then they went and played on the road against a good Oklahoma State team who was, since at the end of the year, that was a good basketball team. And they played down there in Stillwater even for 38 so minutes. Then they hammered Iowa State and Manhattan. And then they hammer TCU in the Big 12 tournament. I mean, that game, maybe it was a two-point final, three-point final, whatever it was, but four points, but they absolutely hammered them. That last part was a joke, but you're not smiling, so I feel very uncomfortable about it. But anyway, the <laughs> point is, K-State's last four, they were two and two. The two losses were all within four or five points. To a really good KU team, to a good OK State team on the road, you blow out Iowa State, you beat TCU. I think the K State team, the last four games, this is not very exciting, but it was probably an NIT quality basketball team. And if K State had been that team all year, they probably win 17, 18 games, go to the NIT, which still isn't fun, but would be way different. 
So we obviously had a collective group of, of players that did not take a huge step forward this year. But let's talk about one of our departures, Mr. Sean Williams. Yeah. Him not being a player that took a, a big step forward end up being, you know, a linchpin to the to the nightmare season. Do you think that had a bigger effect than people realize? Yeah, I think it did. And it doesn't it's not to suggest that Sean Williams takes this team from eleven wins to twenty and you're not either. But you 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 laid it out yourself. How many games early in the season, late in the game the team became what it was, but early in the season when things weren't defined yet, right? Did they barely lose to Marquette or to St. Louis or to Alabama? That's a little bit later, you know, but TCU, Oklahoma, that kind of stuff. And any player, any scholarship player that has ability like Sean Williams did, had he become a guy who, let's say, was a little bit better than David Sloan was this year. And Sloan was what he was, and Sean Williams was that, but just a little bit better. K-State probably does win a couple more games early in the season because of that. And if K-State enters the league, say, one and one after those first two and with two less non-conference losses, things probably don't get so bad. Now, again, that's the responsibility of the coaching staff. They recruited that kid. They knew what he was dealing with when they had him, and then he couldn't make it up. So I'm not using that as an excuse for K-State, but it, it did matter. And I think if Sean Williams had been able to come along, even if that group, like we talked about earlier, Max Cardi and, and um, Mac didn't really improve. I still think, yeah, there's probably two or three more wins in there in the season while still bad doesn't feel as disastrous as it ultimately did. Staying on topic, I'd like you to make a case okay. for the one player who needed to take the biggest step forward and didn't, because I think that you could make several different cases for three or four different players uh, you're, you're so right, right. and I, I so don't, don't want to, want to you know what I'm going to do, and I don't want to do it at all. It makes me just, like, hurt. Is Xavier Sneed, I think, is the correct answer for me. And again, his effort, I don't know how many times I turned to Jimmy, you know, fancy underscore fan or Nelson or whatever during a game this year and said, man, that guy just plays his ass off. Like, times when they're down 18, and you're, like, on TV, you're probably not even watching anymore, and he is just sprinting to the other end of the floor to knock a ball away that's not going to make any difference. So I hate criticizing him, but that's probably the answer. His volume went up tremendously. His efficiency went down a bunch. Um, he became a really, really, really inefficient shooter and scorer over this course of the season. And I think it got in his head some. I don't know how many times this year X had a situation. Uh, I bet if we watched the season, uh, dozens, where he caught a pass on the corner or on the elbow, pump faked a guy on a three. The guy bought the pump fake every time the guy popped the pump fake. And he did nothing with it. He didn't go up and elevate and get the foul, which I know you're not supposed to do, but you're still going to get it if you're taking a shot. And he didn't go by and use his first step. I just thought he really struggled offensively this year. And I think it just it grew on itself, right? Because we talk about those early season games and the pressure. I think it just really, really mounted on him. So, yes, Cardi had some really serious midseason issues. Yes, Mac really regressed, to be quite honest, over the course of the season. But Xavier Sneed... It's 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 kind of just unfair because we needed the most out of him, right? He needed to be the best player. He needed to be an All Big Twelve player, and he didn't do that. He still played hard. His effort was great. I have no, I have as much respect for Xavier Sneed as anybody I've ever covered at K State, if not more. But he did not have a good season. Yeah, I think it's obviously fair to choose X. I mean, he was supposed to be our go-to guy, but I just feel like he was never going to be that. I think his playing no. style is just. He's never been in four years a guy that's gonna be able to create his own shot. I mean, he's right. thrived off of you know hanging out hanging out around the, on the wing, and he's always had good guards that you know take that attention away from him, and then he can kind of be that filler player. And when he goes off, he goes off. But he's never been a guy that's been able to create his own shot. Mine would honestly be Mac. I mean, yeah, not having our best postman to be able to stay on the floor for. Uh, a significant amount of time and a guy that when you just don't have a good post presence, which this team 
didn't. I mean, it, we never did. I mean, we'd never right. been able to really count on Levi Stocker to step up into that role. And not having Mac be, be on the floor, not having that ability to, to take the attention of the, the defensive team to, you know, inside the paint to open everything else up. I mean, that just, I think that just hurt us so much. And That's a good it's, it's a, a great, great point, point because, because two, two, even with, with, with X, X, one, you're right. right. What I'm talking about that maybe I expected or thought we needed of him, meaning Kansas State, it probably wasn't going to happen anyway. And then two, you nailed it too, like who was replacing Mac? And that's not to knock Levi or those guys, but it was Levi, Antonio, who's not a five and was not ready to play the five, or at least when X was struggling or not producing, there was a bunch of other guards and wings, you know, Mike and Cardi and Dejuan and David and all that kind of stuff. But when Mac, like you said, is playing these – seven, eight, nine-minute games and going out, there's nobody replacing him. So uh, he's a great answer to this question, too, no doubt about it. Again, you can make multiple cases. but Sadly, there's a lot, a lot of guys. guys. What was your highlight of the season? Um, it's it's a Xavier Sneed senior day, and I know that's a boring answer. I want, I sat there for a second because I wanted to think of something creative, but that's what it was. <laughs> because, one, there's not a lot to choose from. And, two, because everything I said about that guy and how much I think he deserved and did great things at Kansas State – I think it's great. He had one. His last day at Bramlage, people cheered him like, you know, like it was a great season like no other. And that's his lasting memory. You know, I saw on Twitter, we're all sitting home and that kind of stuff. I just watched all the highlights of the Kentucky game the other day and forgot. Holy cow. That was like that was Xavier Sneed. I hope K-State fans, when they think back about Xavier Sneed, think about that game against Kentucky or his dunk back against UMBC or whatever it is as much as they do this season. But my answer is, yeah, definitely his 26 points in the first half. That was awesome. Um, is you know, it's storybooks a dumb word to use for a season that had 11 wins, but as close as you could get to a storybook senior day, that all things considered, um, and you know, Pearson McAtee getting the dunk to start the scoring and stuff, that was a good time, that was a good day, and I would have out, out in like six minutes. I would have to, I would have to agree with that. It was nice to see you know, X get, get his coronation that he deserved and a send off that he deserved. How about the low light of the season? Well, the, the fight. I'm not going to even say the fight in Lawrence, right? Oh, yeah. Because, like, I honestly like, forgot about that. Wow. I mean, that that that, that was because of the event. But from a basketball perspective, um, man, I don't know. I, I think I thought getting blown out in Texas down in Austin was pretty telling about how kind of yeah. not good this team was. There were other losses. There were bigger losses. But Texas, you know, wasn't playing well. K-State had been competitive in those losses we just talked about, you know, to TCU and Oklahoma, and me being the, you know, the homer I am, kind of still thought, well, maybe we'll go down and win at Austin, and then you're one and two, and, and instead, K-State kind of got hammered in that game. Um, so from a basketball perspective, I would say the loss in Texas was the one. The previous two told me the season wasn't going to go well, and then that one told me, like, oh, man, this might be, like, worse than I even ever, you know, ever considered. Yeah. So you had the ability to kind of be closer, obviously, than most people um, to the team. Uh, let's talk about the group of the seniors real quick. What is your lasting legacy of these guys in your eyes? PJ McAtee, uh, yeah. Mac Maywean, Xavier Sneed. Uh, I really, I mean, I'll just be real, like honest and not trying to be a journalist here. Like I just really, really like them. Um, we like Flanders and I were walking out of Bramlage, you know, like about an hour after the Iowa state game and, and Mac was kind of just walking away out, out in the parking lot and he turned and hollered at us just to say hi. And then he walked off and he was like smiling. And this was after he had just fouled out, you know, in seven minutes on senior day. But I remember saying to Flanders, like, that guy doesn't care. And not that he doesn't care, but like he wants to win and he doesn't care about personal stuff. So he's just walking away smiling because he just went on senior day. I think he was a great guy. Uh, Pearson McAtee, 
uh, is obviously a, you know a great guy and that kind of stuff. I think one of my favorite moments for him, and it got cut off. I wish people could. If you have a chance to watch the whole last press conference from Bramlage, that if anybody kept the video running, is he had this really corny. Like when Xavier Steve was leaving the room by the media, there was like two seconds of silence, and Pearson Mackett he says. Hey, hey, don't touch him. He's red hot. And it was so funny because, you know, he'd been thinking of that for like 45 seconds of how to say it. And um, he's just a great person and loves Kansas State basketball. And I've already gushed about Xavier Sneed, you know. So, yeah, I'm not going to sit here on the show and say, boy, these seniors sucked. I really didn't like them. You know, happy they're gone. I know that's an answer you guys, people expect to hear. But, man, I liked them. And um, for me personally, like, you know, KSO started three years ago. So our first year of K-State Online was when they went to the Elite Eight, you know, and McCall Moyne was on that team, and Xavier Skeen was on that team, and Pearson McAtee was on that team. And so, like, uh, the, you know, our business started and grew as those guys were playing. So, like, uh, they, I don't know. That senior class does matter to me, you know, probably more than some others have in the past. Maybe more, not more than the Barry Dean Cam. Like, that's silly to compare. But what most people would just say, oh, Barry Dean Cam. Like, the ex-Mac, Pearson McAtee thing, like, I don't really separate them. You know what I mean? Like, they feel like they're in that group, too, for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I love, man, I love Snead. I genuinely think he's one of the better players to come through our program. I mean, I think yep. he finished 11th all-time in scoring in a very historic program with full of pro- prolific scorers. I mean, he was a significant, significant uh, player. In, and like you said, with only one year, with only one year as the guy, too. He was, exactly. he was a secondary piece I mean, those other three years. That's Yeah, that's a great point, and that's that's a hell of an accomplishment. He was a significant yep. player. Um that was a part of a championship team, uh, a part of you know the Elite Eight run that we all talk about. That that Kentucky game, I watched it yesterday. I mean, he was unbelievable. He went off. Oh. Um, I you know I will remember him very very fondly. Um, but moving on, ultimately, let's talk about something that uh, has been hanging around for eight years now. Um, ultimately, Bruce is going to return next season. Right. But some aspects of the fan base, um, there's. A lot of animosity towards him still, um, obviously coming off of historically maybe the probably the worst season in K-State basketball history. You can sure argue, argue for it. Turning, yeah. turning around from, you know, one of the better seasons in K-State basketball history that we all had a great time witnessing. But where do you sit on the on the Bruce um, dilemma? I mean, how how hot is his seat right now or is it hot yeah. at all? I want to try to answer this like in a different way, you know, because I like you guys and I like you and I like the show. I'm trying to be like creative. Like, first of all, if, a good question. How hot is his seat? I mean, not at all. And I know some people would hear that and get mad. And that doesn't mean that can't change. Uh, what I'm talking about is I don't think, you know, I'm sure Gene Taylor is always looking into the future, but I don't think Gene Taylor is planning on what he's going to do, you know, assuming Bruce fails next year. Now, if he fails next year or starts to fail, then I think the seat could get relatively hot, but I think, I think it's going to take a big failure again. Um, and again, what I'm going to tell, you know, the listeners is this is not me saying, Hey, get on board, agree with me. This is how it should be. Or this is even my opinion. But the reality is I don't think Gene Taylor and K-State are going to expect Bruce Weber to win a certain number of big 12 conference games or to go to the NCAA tournament next year. I don't think it's going to be that cut and dry. So if you're already somebody saying, well, they better go to the NCAAs or bust, you're going to be disappointed. I don't think that's going to be a mandate that uh, Gene Taylor gives Bruce Weber this next season. Um, But, you know, where do I sit on it? I I do. I'll say this. I understand it. I've always... uh, anybody who doesn't know this, uh, I've probably been a pro Bruce Weber guy from day one. And that's what I said on your show and that kind of stuff. I'm one of the few K-State fans that when Illinois 
you know, fired him, I thought to myself, man, I think he's a good basketball coach. And when K-State hired him, me knowing they fired him at Illinois, I still thought, I actually think he's okay. I think he's going to be fine. So I do have a bias, just like anybody else. I came into it thinking it would work. So I was probably going to look for it to work. He won the Big 12 in year one. He's, you know, gone to five tournaments. He's gone to an Elite Eight. He's won the Big 12 again. So if you went in, if you entered this with the perception like I had that this was going to work, it's easy to look at him and say he's done a good job. If you entered it with the perspective some did that he's going to suck no matter what, you could pick out those years too and say, hey, look at those the foster year, the middle two years he didn't make it, and then of course this last terrible year. It's easy. You can pick and choose how it is. I guess my point is I am I, I do understand people a little bit more that hey, yes, it's a great recruiting class coming in, but the guy is you know 62, 63 years old, and man, I'm tired of going through this. So what I'm saying is I can understand the concern. What I don't understand are the people who say. He can't turn this around. He won't turn this around. I know how this ends. What are you talking about? If you know how this ends, it ends the same way it did the last time he had to turn it around with him winning a Big 12 or going to the Elite Eight. And I'm not guaranteeing that, but my point is you can't say you know how it's going to end because his history of turning on K-State's pretty good, and I still think he will. I know I've talked to the both sides of my mouth at this point. I think K-State will be good to get under Bruce Weber. I think he'll be the coach at K-State probably as long as he wants to because I think K-State gets slightly better this year, good enough that he's totally safe. Then probably takes a pretty significant jump in two years, and then in three years is maybe the best team he's ever had at K-State. Um, if we don't get there in next year's 12 wins again, he may not be the coach in two years. So nothing is nothing is for sure. But I think he's relatively safe. I think Gene Taylor and K-State believe they're building a strong program. But if you're upset with it, I'm not telling you you're stupid. They just won 11 games. I get it, and you don't have to be happy about that. I understand that he needs to prove something to you going forward. I think that's a very good answer. I mean, I was obviously one of the never Bruce guys, but after that's okay. after seven, eight seasons seeing what he's accomplished in the highlights versus the lowlights, I don't know what the fuck people are expecting. I mean, it's. I, I, think, I think, think if you, you go, go back, back to that seven, seven years ago and say, hey, look, the lows are going to be terrible, right? But guys, the highs are going to be multiple Big 12 championships, ending Kansas Street, going to the Elite Eight, beating Kentucky and Atlanta. Go, like, wouldn't people have taken? Maybe, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe they wouldn't have. Maybe their expectations are higher than that. Even though K State hasn't had a seven-year stretch in basketball like that since the 1970s, maybe people wouldn't have taken that. Um, but I, I, yeah, I just I don't get it either. Sometimes I think Bruce is just a silly character, and people are he just is. dumb assholes and like to, you know isolate the bad things that he does and it's literally people are unable to see what he has done right that's good i i, I right. can't i don't think there's any other way we've talked about it enough fuck it we're gonna move on because guess yeah. what we have some very breaking news are you serious we do we do um and okay. we were recording on a sunday right now but pretend in your mind that this is monday people have had uh 12 to 15 hours to to process this cardia jada is going pro well, uh, I was—I didn't even look at it. I'm sitting here on my on my my Skype. I know, I know. Breaking news. So Cardi, that that answers some of our questions from before. Cardi Ajada is officially going to test his uh, professional waters per Kellis Robinette. Um, where do you stand? What's your reaction? Well, first of all, I guess your 80 percent was better than my 70 percent. You know, on that. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, so. Uh, no, man. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm lockstep with you on this. I personally like Cartier Jada. I think he had a better year than people give him credit for. Uh, and I think K-State, as a, from a player perspective, I think could have used him back next year. I think he's a guy who would have continued to get a little bit more efficient, maybe average 14, 15 a game and have a nice year. All that said, and, and I, you know, I'm not trying to be the I know stuff. Like, I, I know what the relationship between Bruce and Cartier and Lowry those guys is actually like. It's, I, I don't think it was un, 
one, it wasn't completely fractured, I don't believe, to begin with. Two, I think they could have worked together going forward. I don't think that would have been a problem. But, yeah, they don't see eye to eye. They do have different, you know, just general opinions of leadership and taking things seriously and that kind of stuff. So while I officially think K-State would be better off with him back, so I'm not trying to say this is good news. I don't think it is. I do see the silver lining to it. K-State will just go forward now with whoever the leader of the team is. It would have needed to be Cartier Jada next year because he's a senior and their best player. Now their best player might be a senior Mike McGurl or a sophomore Dejuan Gordon, and that person can be the leader. And just from personal makeup, yeah, I think Bruce Weber would probably prefer Dejuan Gordon is the leadership example in the program going forward. Not over Mike McGurl, but just in general is what I meant to say. Well, I love it. I love the answer. That's going to basically wrap up the show. You can plug whatever you want. I'm giving you the floor right now. Man, how, how, how long, long ago did that happen? Because I, I feel really stupid. stupid. I mean, literally, Scott just sent it to me about 10 minutes ago. So okay. I'm I don't doing know. Okay, then. Um, I, I just, just want, want to say I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um, I Can I talk about, like, things? Can I say thanks to you on this Whenever thing? Whatever you okay. want. Oh, I can. Yeah, I just want to say thank you to you very, very much. I don't know how much we talk about what you do or if that's an okay thing to get into or whatnot, um, but I just love you and appreciate you, and I hope everyone um, loves and appreciates people like you right now and trying to save our ass and get through this stuff that really, really matters. And actually, that's all I want to talk about. I don't care to talk about you know our site or YouTube page. That stuff is pretty god dang irrelevant right now. Uh, I love and appreciate you and everyone who listens to the show, and thank you for what you do, and that's all I have to say about it. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I will continue to keep people posted on, on what the hell's going on. It's not really crazy in Kansas yeah. City yet, but I expect it to be. It's just a matter of time. I don't think you know we're going to be any different than anywhere else, that any other places that are getting hit hard. So yep. um, that is what it is. Now, next week we have a two-year anniversary show Q&A. So mm. it's, been, it's been two years already since since we decided to fire it up. Um, I'm so number sure, episode one. Do you? I do. Make, I do. Make sure you get in your questions using the hashtag AskBosco. Send them in to us. Ask us whatever the hell you want, um, and we'll answer it. So, Matt, thank you for coming on today. It's always a pleasure. Um, hey, anytime you want to Skype with me, now that we got this video thing yeah. going, it's just like hanging out. It's a good time. Do I look? Do I look as bright on your screen as I do on mine? Very bright. Uh, Very what if bright. I what if I closed this over the whole time? Like, Looks what if I'd have done that? A little better, but you're still pretty pasty. Okay. All right. Well, uh, love you. Uh, the cat head, and I better go do some Cartier Jada stuff. That's right. We love you guys. Everybody stay safe. Um, follow the rules. Meet me at the cat head. I need a sign to let me know you're here. All of these lines are being crossed over the atmosphere.
Social Podcast Network.